Jesus healed ten men with leprosy, but only one came back to praise God and to say thank you. And he was a Samaritan, a foreigner, more than a foreigner really, an enemy. The Jews and Samaritans were not exactly at war with each other, but they were sworn enemies. They disagreed about the most important things, especially religion. Jesus told the Samaritan his faith had made him well. Of the others, we are told that they were, they were made clean of their leprosy, but the one who gave thanks was more than made clean. He was made well. I want to speak today about the power of gratitude, especially an attitude of thankfulness to God. Psychologists know that being grateful has a positive impact on well-being. Thankful appreciation of what's good in our lives is strongly associated with greater happiness, stronger relationships, better resilience and even improved health outcomes. Being grateful also helps people connect to something larger than themselves as individuals, whether to other people, the community, the natural world or to be more aware of God. Often the first instinct in prayer is to give thanks to God. This communion service is otherwise known as a Eucharist, which is a word deriving directly from the Greek for thank you. The heart of this liturgy is the Eucharistic prayer, the prayer of thanksgiving, which begins with the call from the priest, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. The Samaritan who suffered leprosy praised God and gave thanks to Jesus when he was made clean. And it was this faith, faith in God's goodness and love towards him, that made him well. The Samaritan saw there was more to his healing than a social or even a religious process. He had encountered the living God as one who loved him, and his response was to give thanks. What about the nine others who did not return to give thanks? What prevented them, I wonder, giving thanks or what clouded their sense of gratitude? Did they see their cleansing as something owed to them by God, perhaps? Something to be taken for granted? Perhaps they continued to nurse an anger towards God that they had ever been afflicted by leprosy in the first place. Though they were clean of the disease, still they were not well, not made whole in mind and spirit as well as body. And what is the significance of it being the Samaritan, the foreigner, whose heart was opened to God by this healing? Is it part of a common theme in the Gospels that those who were genuinely entitled to receive God's blessings and care, the family of Israel, had become immune to the power of God to change them and to heal them? In effect, they had lost faith in God. Whatever they might have said and whatever the religious practices they observed, their hearts had become closed to God's Spirit at work among them. They did not have any more an openness to God and an appreciation of God's love for them, nor the worth they had in God's eyes. But for the Samaritan, it was the awareness he had received a wonderful gift irrespective of his status and standing, that broke open his heart and produced the desire to give thanks to God, the power of gratitude, 
made him well. So does the message we receive from this gospel end there? Giving thanks has power to change our lives and make us well, restore our relationship with God and one another. Truly, we must claim the power of giving thanks to God for our lives and for one another. But what about when things are not going well around us? Does gratitude have the power to save us from sin or to deliver us from evil? Are there dangers in being content in ourselves when all around there are others suffering and there is injustice? All power, of course, is capable of being misused and misapplied, especially in the hands of the heartless, including the power of gratitude. Where there is an imbalance of power, an inequality of respect and of reward in society, what happens then? The power of gratitude can be abused and exploited by the powerful and those who do not care for the poor. How does that happen? The philosopher Michael Sandel has described very well the dangers of the idea of meritocracy in our Western societies. Meritocracy sounds like a good idea at first glance. Your status and your rewards in life are matched to your merit. How hard you work, how much effort you put into your studies, the talent you have, and so on. It sounds good to have a society based on merit rather than who you know or what you can buy. So what's wrong with that? Surely meritocracy is the fairest form of society. Well, there is lots wrong with it, says Michael Sandel. The downsides are many. Those who are at the bottom of the ladder are assumed to be deserving of their position. They have not applied themselves. They are reckless or feckless. They have insufficient talent. Therefore, it's not a problem if they suffer poverty or a sense of inferiority. After all, they are indeed inferior. And those at the top of the scale feel justified in considering themselves to be superior and deserving of all they have because they got there on merit. So there is an insidious hardening of hearts in the society based purely on meritocracy. Those at the top no longer feel empathy or common cause with those at the bottom. People who have other skills and gifts which are not demanded by the market are not valued. There is no sympathy for those who have simply had bad luck or an overwhelming accidental event in their lives. And there is an automatic disadvantage of opportunity for the children born to those at the bottom of the ladder. And the main measure of value of a person becomes how much wealth or influence they or their family command. Other types of equality between people, such as equality as before the law, equality as citizens, equality of respect and dignity simply as human beings, equality as children of God, all these are lost sight of when meritocracy dominates in a society as it tends to do in ours today. So what happens to gratitude in these circumstances? Sadly, it is exploited by the powerful to maintain the unjust status quo. People are told that they should be grateful even for what they have, though they need much more and better. As a way of stifling legitimate calls for a better, more just way of sharing God's good gifts. 
of stifling calls for respect, for fairness, for more equality and less division in our society, for a greater sense of unity and common purpose, more sharing of the pain and the gain between all members of the society. And the burden of feeling well, even when there is much rotten in the state and much unwell in the society and community, is placed upon us as individuals to work out our own well-being by being grateful for the blessings we do have, but not to call for the justice denied us or to demand redress for that which has been taken from us. After all, wouldn't that mean losing the attitude of gratitude? So the power of thankfulness in that way is exploited by turning it into a sham cure, nothing more than a placebo, a pain deadener at best, which makes us feel better, but which changes nothing in reality, does not make us well, in fact. What then is the antidote? What can stop the powerful in our society who have no care for any kind of social unity or justice from abusing and exploiting the attitude of gratitude? from making us feel and think that well-being is a matter only of personal therapy. What can ensure that thankfulness is not stripped of the real power it has genuinely to change our lives and to restore abundant and flourishing life in our communities, to make us all truly well and whole? Is the clue in those final words of Jesus to the Samaritan? What has made him well? is the one in whom he has placed his faith. He recognised that the one to whom his gratitude is rightly directed is the God whom he saw in Jesus, who cared for him and made him well, irrespective of his doubly outcast status as a leper and a foreigner. Jesus was the one to whom he directed his thanks, because through Jesus, He was made not simply clean of the disease, but also well, fully restored to human dignity and flourishing. So let us ensure that we claim and retain the power of thankfulness by being thankful to God, whom we meet in Jesus. It is good and powerful to give thanks always to God. And when we do so, We give thanks for God's goodness and love, for all God's gifts we do enjoy, but also for the promises of God and the hope we have in God through Christ, for the coming of God's kingdom of justice and peace, for all that God has and wants to bless us and our community with, yet to be realised and received, for the hope of salvation and to share that with our neighbours in word and deed. That is the power of gratitude, which by faith in God will make us and our community well.